0: hi secreters so welcome back Um, I wanted to touch base with you and talk a little bit about my comment today for uh, Yom Kippur so um, it really kind of touched off in me a sense to talk about some things with the history of a religion that is Jewish. Um, one of the things, whenever I was showing you the books I was going through the other day, the Washington Irving three volume set and the Thomas Kiteley book, which Thomas Kiteley was the author of um, a book that basically pulled all different kinds of mythology and folklore from different parts of the world together in a book that Catherine Briggs used Catherine Briggs is mentioned in the secret book. And so um, we, we we need to really kind of talk about that because uh, those are hints that Byron lays out, and lets us know where to look uh, for fairy uh, creatures, um, their origins, and all of that. So as, um, as I was looking over this great little work, um, it dawned on me that Gosh, you know the the African tree fairies um, could very easily tie in to North Africa um, the Jewish uh, heritage that you know essentially the beginning of man, right if we're in the realm of you know Islam or Christianity or even being you know Jewish uh, for Hebrew beliefs, um, you know, life started there, started by the Nile, right? And so we have kind of a tie with not only the Jewish element of Africa and the tree fairies, you know, the tree fairies themselves come from the tree of life. The tree of life was based where? Garden of Eden, right? That's in Old Testament. So, it's very interesting to see the link between not only the African tree fairy and Hebrew beginnings but also the Persian djinn, right? So you break off from that Abrahamic um... in, in that kind of in that break so when we talk about fairy secrets come in twos we could see that the Persian element And the African element could be tied closely together. And let's think about why. So, 1979, we get in our, like, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and you get in your your telephone booth and you teleport back, and and you open the doors and you get out, and you get to see everything that's going on in 1980. Well, in 79... We had this mass migration of um, Iranian people, Persians, after the Persian monarchy fell. And thousands of them came to America as refugees uh, and immigrants looking for, to get away from the chaos of that country. Byron would have witnessed that. He would have seen that this was going on. And clearly he mentioned bits and pieces of it in the secret book. And so it lends you to feel what it was like in that time, right? So we had the gas crunch in 79. We had these Persians coming over. Remember their amazing carpet weaving skills. And where did all those 40,000 of those immigrants from Persia came to Los Angeles? So I was thinking about Justin Chamberlain the other day because he had said, it was on his thread, and I think we were talking about the West Ghosts, and we were uh, mentioning how that person and Eric uh, were talking about. Well, maybe that guy in West Ghost looks like Hugh Hefner. <laughs> that kind of—I mean, he does look like a genie coming out of a bottle. Kind of similar to both, you know, both of these gentlemen's theories and thinking, and maybe who that apparition was. But really kind of thinking, whoa, this kind of takes me back a little bit. Because if this is any relation to Persian, this is an L.A. reference. Is there a cast there? Don't know. But I can tell you that they, you know, these Persian immigrants made a name for themselves and a community for themselves uh, on the west side. So, or in a place called the west side, I should say. Um, And I think it's in Westmore. Or something, but anyway, lots of West connotation there. So, and and it's definitely something to at least consider Uh, when we're looking. I know people are. Oh, Karen, you're just crazy. You're a crazy Karen. You know, we've talked about this. It's the Persian is in Houston because of the oil. Very well, maybe I have a strong argument for Houston myself. But I also want to think about what that time felt like what it was like in 1979 when i would turn on the television to like the whatever four channels we only had and (laughs) actually we probably had a few more actually then a few more but 1980 then we got mtv and the whole world changed right uh so video killed the radio star gotta remember that one that's also in the secret So, you know, if we don't think about some of these areas that receive these large influxes of immigrants for the time, I think we're missing out truly on some amazing clues and history. And so um, when we talk about the... Um, even even with the African tree fairy, I mean, there's nothing really stated about an African tree fairy in all of this mythological reading. The only real fairy that comes out of Africa, what I've seen mentioned multiple, multiple, multiple times, is the Yumbos. And the Yumbos were subterraneous, little two-foot creatures, white-haired, uh, white-skinned, and they say, originally... The term came from noticing the, uh, the newcomers coming up off the water. And they were the Dutch, the French, the British, you know, coming to essentially take a lot of these Africans away from their country. So, it has a very interesting uh, meaning to what a yumbo truly is. However, no mention of them being a tree fairy. So then that leads me to believe more and more we are talking about the tree of life. And there very well could be a heavily, heavily Hebrew element to the North African, to the painting, to the African painting. Uh, one of the things that sticks out to me about that painting specifically is the fruit that's on the vine a lot of people tend to think it's a pear uh for a while I kind of thought it was an inglet. I thought it was I thought it was a pear and I thought it was referencing a flowering pear potentially a place where a tree would be for digging for the cask but as I've started delving more and more into this history I have found it's actually not a pear it's a fig and that makes all the sense in the world because figs were prized possessions in North Africa in the beginning of man, and it was a the way they ate. Uh, the The feasts would, you know, signify they would have pears. Um, Egyptians, ancient Egyptians, would be buried with golden figs and sorry if I said pears, figs. So they would be buried with these things, and they. They shared, you know, communally with these these types of fruits. And the fig tree itself has a very interesting history. And then you go, well... But who's the lady in the painting? Well, I have thoughts about that, too. Uh, I know a lot of people try to kind of put a modern-day spin on what they think that person is uh, or who that person is, but... I don't think there is a modern person that's represented there. Uh, And if anything, it's historical, just like the witches were, you know, for the Boston painting. I mean, we are talking about, it's it's more like the idea, right? J.J.P. paints this witch, because, you know, then you're supposed to automatically think, oh, Salem Witch Trials. He didn't actually seek out some specific witch to paint. So with the African painting, you have this woman over here, which looks a lot like Cleopatra with an African twist. To me, that makes more sense, you know, because we're talking about, you know, in this painting, um, the savagery and the evolution of North Africa. And in some respects... A big part of that comes from Christianity. Comes with, you know, being Jewish and the Hebrew writings and the Talmud and the Torah and uh, Islam and the Quran. And, I mean, we're really... The African painting has so much deep meaning in it for history that it almost... I mean, it almost has kind of a double meaning, right? We, we, we've got all that going on, but then we have the slavery element that, and the Civil War that Byron talks about too. And one of those things that's important to remember as well is the duality of meaning for paintings and poems, for places and history, for nature and the current time so or what would have been 1980 right and i'd be remiss if i didn't at least point that out because i think even the deepest history can t- can kind of tend to get overlooked by a lot more of the obvious and and the obvious importance of the obvious. <laughs> okay. You know. The slavery. Emancipation Proclamation. Lincoln's assassination. Um, General. You know. Lee. Basically surrendering. You know. All of these things. Play a part. A cru- crucial part. In our history. and But we also have to know. Where it all really came from. So. In that note. You have the Persian, djinn, which is also considered like a demon, an evil spirit. Um, it's even referred to in Hebrew as a as an evil demon spirit. So we've got the African element, North Egypt, and the Persian element, right? So they're all really kind of closely intertwined, and it'd be really important to try to decipher each mm. each's own meanings in these poems. So I wanted to share that thought today and, and see where it takes you to, because I know that, you know, could there be a cask in Charleston? Yes. Do I think there's probably one there? Possibly. Do I think it's the right painting? I question that. I question that because, you know, in 1979, 1980, we had, you know, he talks about it in the book, the police brotherhood, the mistreatment of black people, which, you know, sadly, by police, still clearly kind of happening in some areas. Um, Can't deny it. <clears throat> can't deny it. But he, you know, when he's talking about that, he's, he's pointing out these areas that have had, you know, this trauma in their community. And when we think about Africans on a whole, African Americans, they had three different migrations. Excuse me, I to take a drink. So, good tea. <clears throat> the British would be proud. Anyway. So they had all these migrations after the emancipation and, you know, three different times. They moved to many cities. If you look back at the census of 1980, the majority of African Americans, if we're basing it off of where groups of them still were and descendants of original African slaves... Um, they were in New York, they were in Philadelphia, they were in Detroit, and they were in Maryland. Heavily, 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 heavily concentrated areas. And nobody is even looking at them. Uh, which is a disservice to the book and to Byron for what he's trying to teach us, right? <clears throat> so, if that element plays a part, we have to look at all Possible places, and this is why. Even like yesterday's video, when we were talking about, you know, poem two, gnomes admire face delight. You know, a gnome is a Lowland German mythological creature, folklore. Okay, <clears throat> not French. So, either we're not really processing. The words that Byron wrote down, and we're just kind of going off of what other people are thinking, or oh, it's been this way for 40 years, I'm gonna jump in the hunt. Okay, everybody thinks it's this city or that city, so I'm gonna start researching that city instead of actually doing the work yourself <clears throat> and reading the words and understanding their meanings and their context because this is 1980, right? He's got to throw you a bone some way or another and kind of be tricky and clever and see if you catch things, you know, in the writing. I mean, the fact that Byron communicated with people before he passed and made comments, for instance, give a shout out to Denise for St. Louis, because he says, there is a cask in St. Louis, and he puts a D on the end, and everybody says, oh, oh, he just, that was just a misspelling, and... Yeah, I don't think he was really being, you know, truthful. If there's a cast there or not, there might be. But I'll tell you, Byron was a communications major. Why would he do that? Why would he just, you know, happenstancely type, 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 leave? Oh, oh, shoot! I just put. No, no, no! Come on, this guy is a writer. (laughs) He's a creator. It would be sacrilegious to be talking with people and not and I mean, and I do it all the time because I misspell sorts of things and I have to like go and refix stuff a 100,000 times, but this guy did it for a living. So, to be that cavalier, to presume, oh, it was just misspelled. It was just, the D's right there by the S on the keyboard. Well, it is, but in Byron's speak, it means something. So, that's what he wants us to pay attention to. Pay attention to the words. Look up definitions of the words. Look up definitions of these words in current dictionaries from 1980. And a lot of them you can still access online. The JSTOR.com, J-S-T-O-R.com, is like a free resource. Um, coincidentally, um, inspired by the Jewish community, which is very cool. And, um, but it's a free resource, and you can look things up there. And, you know, be willing and flexible to change your ideology and understand this difference. Even if you spent hours on a theory, if you spent months on a theory, and now you're trying to be open-minded and kind of give everything a new look, and you find that a lot of your theory doesn't match anymore, that's still important knowledge. Because some of that can still come into play in some of these cities in some way. So don't beat yourself up over it, but be willing to look at things in new lights all the time, gaining knowledge, you know, just sucking it in and applying it in different ways. Because there's a lot of these poems that I think have been misinterpreted and misplaced. And I think in this group we might be able to actually put proper definitions with proper words that lead us down a proper path for where a cast could be so i just ask that you stay positive stay thinking on it and question things you know when you question things you're either going to find out whether you're going to make a really strong argument for your own case or you might be wrong. But either way, the wisdom that you've gained is immeasurable, right? I mean, I know several of you, if you were to go to certain cities and talk to the locals, they wouldn't have a clue about some of the history that you already know. I mean, it's great. And, and Byron's prophecy in that way Comes true for him. And comes true for all of us. So, you know. And that's why I say, like, I have to support people and their theories. My theories change every day. Okay? Just today I was talking to Rebecca and I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking some things make sense for another place in Canada. But being able to have that free knowledge and share things and talk about the history that you know. And history that someone else can share with you from that country is like nothing on this earth it's so cool and we have Byron to thank for that and I know if Byron was here today he would obviously be observing his Jewish holiday and so this is the little shout out to him going you know nostalgically back into North Africa and the very beginnings of the Hebrew religion the Christian religion the religion of Islam all of that started there so, I hope you guys have a super Thursday. Coming up on the weekend. I've got some more studying to do. I'm gonna talk about poem 3 in the next video. I realized Byron did not give a hint for that poem. And well, quite frankly, I think he was expecting us to know why. He was expecting us to get the city, right? <laughs> based on the verse. <laughs> so, you know, uh Boston was not Philly. So there we go. But it'll be fun to kind of talk about it. So I'll briefly go over that. And it might be a combination of Poem 3 and Poem 4. So, um, and then I know I'm getting some people talking about, well, what about this Fair Folk or that Fair Folk? So who knows? I may come back with Poem 3 and 4 tomorrow. Or, you know, it may actually be we're going to dissect a Fair Folk that day. A Fair Person. And understand, you know, why weren't the Spanish notated in the back of the book anywhere? Why do we have to go through the fair people to find the Spanish reference, you know? Well, hello, Mira, Kamira, I'm talking to you. Um, <clears throat> there are hints in that. There's an understanding that we are supposed to figure out. Uh, part of it is the conquistadors were pretty awful people. A uh, lot of murdering. A lot of killing. A lot of raping and pillaging. Um, But, you know, we wouldn't know that unless we do the history on it, which is what Byron wanted us to do. So, anyway, I will talk to you next time. You guys ferry on, and I'll see you soon. Bye.